Tracks, a podcast that connects you with stories about music's powerful ability to impact our lives. I'm Daniel, your host and lifelong music lover. I talk with musicians, music scholars, music writers, and especially music fans to explore the tracks that have inspired and influenced them most. Today we're diving into the world of EDM, or electronic dance music for those unfamiliar with the acronym. EDM is a relatively new term, coming into prominence just over the past decade or so, and is essentially an umbrella term encompassing the many subgenres of dance music. At its most basic, EDM is any music created entirely with electronics and made specifically for the dance floor. To add a bit more context, what now might be referred to as EDM got its start most notably in the 1980s, first with house music, which originated in Chicago, and then with techno coming out of Detroit. Electronic synth music was created in the late 80s in Europe. Then in the 90s, dance music really progressed and flourished with subgenres like deep house, trance, trip hop, and dubstep. In the past 20 years, many more subgenres have emerged and often splintered into variations, making them even more niche. Variations like progressive trance, organic house, and ambient chill out, to name a few. The main factor that differentiates one from another is simply the beats per minute of the music. An important aspect of EDM, and likely the most vital, is the physical and emotional experience of being at a small club, a festival, or on a dance floor someplace. It's all about that shared experience of the combination of music, lights, visual effects, and the people around you. Today I've got Mel Booth with me to talk about all this and more. She's been a fan of EDM, especially a trio called Above and Beyond, and many of the other artists on their record labels, Anjuna Beats and Anjuna Deep. She's also attended more than 30 shows across the globe. You could say she's pretty obsessed. And I can't wait to get into it, so here we go. Melissa, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for being here. It's a privilege. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm happy to be here. Okay, so we'll just roll right into the first question, which is, how and when did you first get into EDM? This was a really lovely thing to think about. I actually can kind of say thanks to my dad. Growing up, he always had music playing, all different sorts of genres. But in the late 80s, he certainly was playing a lot of European electronic synth music which was kind of the very beginning of those EDM days. Um, and I really liked it, loved it. And that kind of set me off on my journey of electronic music. Um, are we talking bands like Kraftwerk and the early stuff from ELO? Really, really interesting music with different beats. And it's something that actually my father and I still have that wonderful commonality. We still share a lot. I quite easily rip a CD for him about the latest DJs that I own listening to or I'll share a couple of tracks that I really like. I was home recently and he just randomly went into the stereo cupboard and put on a CD that I hadn't listened to probably for about four or five years and it was lovely. It was great. We got to both listen to it again and then kind of over the years as I went through the 90s and in the early 2000s, uh, my love for a slightly faster beat per minute um, hard house uh, electronic dance music genre was kind of introduced to me. Massive labels like uh, Gatecrasher, Slinky, Euphoric, Tidy Boys and Frantic, Nucleus, these guys were putting together amazing DJs uh, who were full of energy uh, and also created an amazing movement where you would go to gigs and 
just be listening to this incredible music. So I love that you got started from your father. And that's something that you can still share to this day. And especially that you got to be with him recently and listen to something together and that you've got that. So that's that's a pretty special thing. Yeah. And it was completely not planned. I didn't know he was going to put that on. I was literally just down the other end of the house and I could hear this track and it was a real favorite of mine. But yeah, so this kind of music has been woven all through my life. Even when I was getting married and dad was in the wedding car with me, the dad was in the back of the wedding car and we had a driver and dad had actually put some CDs into the car that we were getting to the um, ceremony with. And it was Steve Hill, Tiesto, uh, BK and K90, like music that you wouldn't normally listen to as you were going to get married. But dad and I were rocking out in this wedding car. <laughs> it was amazing, like a really special memory. It is. That's so much fun. Your dad sounds like a fun guy, by the way. So I love that. And I know that you're particularly, as I mentioned, a big fan of Above and Beyond. Tell me a little bit about Above and Beyond and when did you really get into this trio? So my husband and I moved to London and the music scene over there was just incredible. Uh, Very, very much a broad spectrum of EDM and Above and Beyond, actually, we didn't go to see Above and Beyond. It was at a uh, a big gig for New Year's Eve in London. And we had bought tickets to go and see another house DJ called Ferry Cordson. And Above and Beyond was this British trio made up of Pavo, Jono and Tony. And Above and Beyond were actually the opening support band. And as soon as they come on, the whole audience just lit up. So we weren't the only ones that were that hearing these guys for the first time. They'd been around for a little while, but this was just incredible. And we didn't know what we were looking for until we'd heard them. The melodic trance, the vocals, the, the moving lyrics, the consistency of their songs were so uplifting and so incredible. Uh, we were hooked. So you sort of happened into it. It was a happy accent that you found above and beyond. <laughs> was. So after going to this incredible concert and discovering Above and Beyond, the first thing that we did was to find out, well, where can we see these guys again? What else have they done in the past? Um, And we were pleasantly surprised that actually there was this incredible label that they have called Anjuna. And Anjuna has been now split into Anjuna Deep and Anjuna Beats. The main difference between the two of them is they both house incredible DJs but they have slightly different beats per minute. So Anjuna Beats tends to be a concert or a gig which is put on by DJs that have slightly faster beats per minute. Uh, and Anjuna Deep is slightly more euphorical, progressive trance with a slower beat per minute. Both incredibly energizing and both have amazing crowds and they interchange. So it's not necessarily one or the other. You might say the one compared to the other, but the majority of people that listen within the Anjuna label, they often like both um, and have the same sort of energy and vibe from both the DJs in the deep label and in the beats, uh, which makes it really special. Um, and because of their incredible music accomplishments, they're able to manipulate the Anjuna deep and Anjuna beats tracks and songs, and they've turned that into almost like a little subgenre which is Anjuna Acoustic, where they'll take a 
a beat song, so pretty uplifting, hands in the air, jumping up and down. And I've put that into a full orchestra um, and slowed it right down and made that an incredibly moving piece that you've known really well while you've been jumping up and down and having the time of your life. And now it's just the most beautiful piece of music, which has been orchestrated. That is so interesting because acoustic with EDM or any sort of dance music is, is not something that I would immediately associate. So Yeah, it's not a natural thing for sure. So they've already uh, produced two albums, and Acoustic 1 and Acoustic 2. They have produced Acoustic 3. They're just yet to tour with Acoustic 3 because of um, restrictions with travel. But I was very fortunate to go to the very first Acoustic 1 album launch, which was in a place called Porchester Hall in Paddington in London. And there may have been about two or 300 of us there uh, and a very small old wooden music hall with all of the symphony and acoustic instruments. And they were singing live to us, which was just really special. And then Acoustic 2 was equally mind-blowing full house sold out to the royal albert hall with all of their tracks done to an acoustic level i can't imagine that experience because what a great venue and to have it orchestrated in that way and so great that you got to go oh there was yeah there was not a dry eye in the house absolutely look there were people that turned up in um tucks and tails full evening gear it was it was incredible. People had traveled all around the world for that as well because it was a bigger venue. Um, I guess Acoustic One was a bit of a trial just to see what the audience thinks, what does the crowd like, and it was an absolute hit. And to sell out the Royal Albert Hall was a pure testament to how clever they are and how much of a love we have for anything that Above and Beyond do, really. So you've clearly been to some really incredible live shows to see some of these artists and these DJs. Tell me about some of the other shows that you've been to. What are some that were particularly memorable? Generally, a big music event, gig or concert, is held in a venue which is normally R18. Um, There's alcohol being sold. It's not normally for children. However, uh, after listening to Above and Beyond for many, many years, In about 2015, they held a show in London at Wembley Stadium called the Little Something Concert. And it was a charity fundraising concert. And they actually held an open ticket so children could go. And my, at the time, my eight-year-old son, who'd been literally brought up on everything above and beyond since the day he was born, (laughs) I was actually pregnant with him at the very first show in 2006 when we saw Above and Beyond. So really he had, he had no choice, but we were actually able to take him to a full Above and Beyond concert at the age of eight. And I think that was probably just the most incredible feeling. There were a few children around us as well, and the whole crowd loved seeing the kids getting into it as much as the adults did. So that, that was really special. The great thing about Above and Beyond is the community that they bring together. And that enables you to want to travel to some of their events. And within the Anjuna group, Anjuna Deep in particular, had a five-day festival in Albania called Explorations. It was the first time they've ever done anything this long for five days and on a beach. 
And Anduna Deep really fitted the music genre for sitting around the beach with all of your friends, going from stage to stage, hearing all of your favorite Anduna Deep artists and DJs. Um, loved getting up close and personal with some of the DJs that we've been listening to for a really long time. There's a couple of really amazing people within the community that put on things for the crowd, like pre-parties and after-parties. So, and Juna haven't organized it in particular, but because everybody's going, one of my very dear friends, Kev Blundy, he put on a boat traveling from around Corfu before people went to Albania. So the boat party was sold out. He had amazing DJs. He's a great DJ himself. And it just meant that even before we'd arrived in Albania, there were people on this boat just amped and meeting each other for the first time. And then by the time you get to Albania, you already, you already know another 60 or 100 people. Um, so yeah, there's so many special moments and it's all about the kind of the community, I suppose, and the friendships that you make along the way. Yeah, that community aspect I know is such a special thing in EDM. And I guess you've made so many friends that you still have to this day. Absolutely. They are my closest friends and I am definitely part of an Andrina family for sure. Yep, very supportive, very loving, uh, the people that I rely on the most. So when I was doing some research for our conversation, I came across the Above and Beyond Group Therapy. Tell me about that. So I've, I've been to a couple of the um, group therapy shows. And where that originated from was Above and Beyond started doing a, a weekly radio show called Group Therapy. So with the initials AB for Above and Beyond, GT Group Therapy, ABGT was born. And they do a radio show kind of once a week. And then what they've done is what's called a milestone event. So roughly every 50 shows or annually, they have a milestone event. And they've been held all around the world. Hong Kong, Amsterdam, America, Prague, London. And during COVID, it was held on our um, TV screens. So we didn't miss out and we were all able to communicate through the powers of media and chat. Um, and, and if you're lucky enough to go to an event, the community of the Anjuna family will come together and organize things. Um, even if you're traveling alone, you can go on like an Anjuna hike, Anjuna dinners, Anjuna pre-parties, Anjuna boat parties. Things that you're getting to meet the community before you even go to the main event. Oh, I don't know many other music concerts that you can go to and, and know so many people in the audience, uh, which is pretty cool. When you get to switch uh, and swap wristbands, people make up silicon wristbands to commemorate each ABGT and the different events. And there's lots of swapping of t-shirts being made and flags. And yeah, it's pretty magical. So tell me about how COVID has impacted that community. It was probably one of the things that um, I certainly struggled with the most because so much joy and fun and excitement has been got from going to these live gigs and seeing friends and listening to these DJs. So when COVID hit, it kind of put a spanner in the works and it kind of put a halt to all of that. But there was a little bit of a shining light through this because there was a platform called Twitch, which primarily was just kind of used for gaming. But it enabled DJs to go on and live stream themselves from their home. And it meant that everybody globally could tune into their channel and watch them and listen to them. So actually everybody who's watching this live stream can go on and type and chat to others that are also watching this live stream. 
before you know it, you're kind of meeting people globally that you would be meeting at these milestone events, these other gigs. And this has been a platform that has been incredible for both the community and the artists because it's enabled such a close relationship where you can be typing away and your favorite DJ can just type you a response. Or uh, people that I've seen photos of, I'm now chatting with them on this um, Twitch channel and the relationship just gets deeper and deeper. The joke is, well, make sure you wear a name badge that says your Twitch name because we've been chatting for two years and we want to know who you are when you're actually now attending these live gigs. So the, there's, there's a lot of people that have now met in real life because the gigs are starting to open up. And it sounds like, that, I mean, as bad as that time has been, that it's actually enhanced be what you already had in a way that couldn't have been before. For sure. It's enabled that global reach um, just at the end of your keyboard. Tell me, what keeps you coming back to this music? What makes you such a loyal fan? Primarily, it is the music that brings us together. But in an essence, it's that community that I want. It's the, the friendships, the lifelong um, relationships that we're able to build together, the memories and the experiences that all of my friends have done through the Anjuna family have, have what's made up all of my greatest memories over the last couple of decades. It's the road trips away. It's the traveling for four hours after a concert to go and see another concert and surprising people who aren't expecting you to be there. It's those memories of discovering new DJs and music that the Anjuna label will introduce us to. There's an incredible vibe and love and feeling associated with it. If I look back on a video or see a photo, I've got all of those memories immediately uh, within my heart. And that's definitely what keeps me coming back. So the last question I have for you, what would be on your personal soundtrack? Well, first of all, my personal soundtrack would probably have to be a quadruple CD and it would span uh, a few decades, that's for sure. When I was having a look back to who I originally listened to, there was a really nice full circle that came around for me. Back in about 1998, I was listening to a great DJ called Nick Warren and a bit starstruck when I went to Explorations with Anjuna Deep and Nick Warren was one of the DJs performing. So I had my photo taken with him and I was fangirling majorly. But even more special was another really special um, friend of mine that I met through Anjuna, um, Steve Pickering, incredible producer. Met randomly at an Anjuna gig um, in London, a very small, intimate Anjuna gig. And became really, really good friends with him. And then through Twitch, also listened to another Anjuna DJ called Wasu, who's Weston Butler. And Wasu, or Weston, uh, and Steve, who goes under the DJ name of Lasonic, actually collaborated and did a track together. And that track is actually on Nick Warren's label, which is Soundgarden. So it was a real amazing moment for me. I hadn't even thought about that until I thought about what are the tracks that really make up those decades of my music. And actually, there's a track in particular that Lasonic and Wasu do together, which is called In Ear. And In Ear is the track that's on the Nick Warren Soundgarden CD. So that was pretty cool. I guess other tracks that I play religiously aren't necessarily new tracks. Some of them are pretty old, um, but they've definitely stood the test of time. Uh, a guy from Cambridge in London called Mark Dockett, his 
His DJ name is K90. Uh, he's done an a f- incredible few decades of um, EDM music and he's actually now moved into being a full-time music composer, even composing soundtracks to BBC Sports and MasterChef. But there's a couple of tracks of his that are older. I play regularly and, and just get all that feeling of that EDM vibe and love. One is Red Snapper and the other one is Breed and Malaya. There's another track that I really love of, of K90s. There's so many. I mean, well, later the ones like Leaving Laurel, A Secret Place, to Paul Oakenfold, Southern Sun, Tin Liquor, Monolink, Ben Bomer. Honestly, Above and Beyond has about 56 tracks that I'd like to include. The list goes on and on and on. So can you give me maybe a handful of tracks that you would recommend to someone who's new to EDM? How big is my handful? Can it be really big, like a giant's handful? <laughs> it can be as big as you need it to be. All right, okay. I'll try and keep this concise. So Tin Liquor, uh, Bird Feeder, David Home, In Your Sway, Spencer Brown, Happy Hill, Elan Bluestone, Will We Remain, Ben Pierre, Setting Sun. And I've got to throw in a couple of above and beyond for equal measure. I'm going to put in Sun and Moon just because it's one of the iconic tracks. So Sun and Moon are by Above and Beyond and Northern Soul also by Above and Beyond. So there you go. Okay. I love it. Mel, you have been a fantastic guest. I've enjoyed our conversation so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your favorite podcast app to stay up to date on episode releases. And if you have a friend that you think might enjoy this show, please share it with them. Today's music is from Blue Dot Sessions, and you can find links to episode resources in the show notes. Thank you again for joining me for Transcendent Tracks. I'll see you next time.